Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. And we welcome back to the show a very dear friend, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor. He's written a bunch of books, all of them are bestsellers. The latest book is March to the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution. Newt Gingrich, welcome back, sir. It's great to be with you always. No, we got a whole bunch of things to cover. I need about an hour and a half, but I'm not going to do that to you. By the way, very best regards to Ambassador Kalista. Uh, Newt, can I just talk for a moment this Hamas invasion of Israel, Hamas, the Iranian-backed Palestinian terrorists, and I just wonder, Biden just put together, right, this prisoner exchange gave Iran $6 billion dollars you think any of those $6 billion might have gone into this Hamas invasion of Israel, which comes only a couple of weeks after the prisoner exchange? Is that a coincidence in your judgment? Well, I mean, it may be a coincidence in terms of timing, but look, Iran is clearly the leading sponsor of terrorism in the world. Uh, they are the leading opponent to Israel, and in fact, their hostility to Saudi Arabia has Saudi Arabia on the edge of signing a peace agreement with uh Israel as a defensive alliance against Iran. So you give them $6 billion and, you know, again, agreeing that the Biden White House is astonishingly stupid. They should really have understood that if I give you $6 billion, you can now take something else you were going to spend money on and turn that into paying either for terrorism or for war. They're not just the leading funder of Hamas, they're the leading funder of Hezbollah in Lebanon. And Hezbollah probably has over 100,000 missiles aimed at uh, Israel, most of them low-grade, but still, sure, volume matters. And all of that's being done by Iran. Isn't that something that you understand the economics? Money is fungible. Money, yeah, and the Bidens exactly. don't. I mean, well, really? They, no, they don't, they don't to, understand they don't that? No, <laughs> the Bidens have accepted, for whatever reason, Obama came to believe that Iran should be the centerpiece of power in the Middle East. Mm. I mean, he wanted Iran to be the dominant country, whether it's because down deep, deep down he's anti-Israeli or whatever his reasoning. Obama's the original architect of this, and Biden is just carrying out the policy that, that, that Obama started, which was to ignore everything bad that Iran did, give them as much money as you can. I remember that at one point they actually flew cash in, hmm. uh, mostly in Swiss and European uh, units because they would not accept American dollars. I mean, imagine you offer a guy a billion dollars. He says, yeah, but not in your currency because I despise you so much. Uh, I'd like you to send me Swiss francs. And they did. I mean, it's just there's something about the American left that loves the aggressors uh, and that deeply dislikes Israel. I think partly because Israel wins and that violates their sense of being for the underdog. Uh, But uh, it's astonishing. It surely is. Well, Benjamin Nadjiao is a tough guy, and uh, well, I have the, confidence in him. Well, I mean, that's, uh, sooner or later they're going to have to destroy Hamas, yep. and sooner or later they're going to have to destroy Hezbollah because they are steadily growing threats to the very survival of Israel. Yep. Coming back home, you got an op-ed piece. Biden, it's becoming clear, intends to put President Trump in jail one way or another. By the way, Newt, you see this in this New York City trial, this ridiculous trial over real estate values, 
where the local superior court judge, who is a Democratic uh, partisan, is already threatening to put Trump in jail uh, for exercising speech. <laughs> anyway, um, they'll go to any lengths, won't they? They'll go to any oh, lengths to stop Trump. Look, this is a war of survival. They're very much like Erdogan in Turkey. Erdogan understood that if he didn't win this last election, he and his son were going to go to jail for the rest of their lives for corruption. <clears throat> so for them, it was life and death. Well, the same thing here. The left understands that if, that if Trump wins, having learned everything he's learned in the last eight years, if Trump wins, it's the end of their world, literally. And and uh, they will do anything to get him. And, and the, the thing people need to realize is, when you get these gag orders, a judge technically has the ability to single-handedly issue an arrest warrant based on your violating the judge's gag order. And if, and if you watch, both in Washington and in New York, the gag orders are becoming steadily more restrictive. And now you've got a guy who's running for president who, who's naturally talkative anyway. And you're saying to him, we're now going to tell you what you're allowed to say as a presidential candidate. Uh, and in my mind, he actually is the Republican nominee. It's, I think it's, it's a de facto. It's, it's de facto. It's not just technically true yet, but for all practical purposes, he's the Republican nominee. And, and in most recent polls, he's actually beating Biden. Mm. So you're the Democrats, and you're thinking, look, if I could be, literally lock him up, put him in orange, put him in, in shackles, not just get a mugshot, because that, that backfired on him, and the mugshot actually helped Trump, which which had to have just drive Democrats crazy. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, um, at a minimum, Newt, the thought occurs to me, at a minimum, they want to tie Trump up with these trials, make him appear in trials, make him appear in court as much as possible so he can't campaign the way he loves to campaign. And at a maximum, they'll throw him in jail, put an orange suit on. You're exactly right about that. By the by, your point, it's a throwaway point, but... After watching the second debate, <laughs> I was out there in Simi Valley covering it for Fox News. Um, really? I mean, it's not that they're bad people, the people on the stage. They're conservatives. They have a lot of ideas. Most of them really probably agree with Trump more than they disagree with Trump. But as I recall, you came on the show or other shows and you said, do we have to keep doing this? I mean, really? <laughs> Let's devote our resources to defeating Joe Biden. Well, I think there's there's one survey, for example, where Trump is at 57 and the nearest person is DeSantis at 14. Mm. Now, <clears throat> if you have a 43-point lead, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's you're going to win. I mean, it's, it's and, time. And, and, and the time has come to to focus all of our resources on beating, not just beating Biden, but winning a big enough majority in the House so we don't shoot ourselves in the head, uh, and winning a, a big majority in the Senate. Because the, the real goal, I, I wrote a piece recently and said, the time to celebrate is not the day after the election. It's July 4th of 2025 when we've completed six months of fundamentally restructuring Washington. Mm. And our goal has to be not just to win, but to win with a purpose and to actually implement fundamental decisive change in the system which has grown corrupt and incompetent who's got the best most purposeful policy message right now newt by far well i think trump does sure i mean really I mean, I mean, it's I mean, not... trump trump understands that the country the vast majority of the country wants real change and the 
and the polling numbers are staggering. I mean, in, in, in both NBC's and, and, and the White Washington Post ABC poll last Sunday, uh, ABC had 62% of Democrats wanted somebody other than Biden. NBC had the number of 59% of Democrats. And this is of Democrats. This is not independents or Republicans. And that just tells you we're, we're moving into a Jimmy Carter cycle uh, where the president gets weaker and weaker, his party gets weaker and weaker, and and despite the the dumb things being done by eight members of the House Republican Party, in the long run, the country's not going to be focused on who the Speaker of the House is. It's going to be focused on gasoline, food, mm-hmm. uh, the border, uh, fentanyl deaths, uh, crime in the streets, all, all the things that are in their lives. And on every one of those issues, Joe Biden loses. You know, Newt, I try to capture it. It's about affordability, affordability. Real wages are falling. People can't afford to buy a home, gasoline, groceries. It's all about affordability. Prices are rising faster than wages. You're working more. You know, yesterday's job numbers look good. The top line number looked good. But when you dig into it, the, the people buying, people working multiple jobs, Newt, full-time employees actually fell, full-time employees. Part-time employees rose, and people holding multiple jobs rose. What does that tell you? It's paycheck to paycheck. And they're scrambling around holding several jobs. That's all about affordability. And that's what Biden does not understand. Well, and I think the, the only other word I would add is protection. Ah, yes. When you see a congressman get carjacked at gunpoint on mm. Capitol Hill, mm. or you watch a flash mob in Philadelphia for several days in a row, uh, or you watch uh, the cartels coming across the border with impunity, uh, you, 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 the average American is thinking, I can't afford my life, and I'm really worried that it's going to get worse. Mm. And I think that's why those 100. those two words will be the dominant words of, of the 2024 campaign. Hundred percent. No, don't leave me. I got to take commercial break. I want to come back. Two right. points. I want to talk about the speaker's right. race, and I want to talk about Jody Arrington, the House Budget Chairman's balanced budget. Don't leave me, Newt. Folks, I'm Cudlow. We're talking to the great Newt Gingrich, former speaker, Fox News contributor. Uh, what's Newt's latest book? Hold on a second. I got it. March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. I'm Cudlow. We got Gingrich. We'll be right back, folks. Larry Cudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Cudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking to the brilliant Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor. His latest book is March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Newt, um, appreciate your time this morning, as always. Uh, some quick thoughts on the Speaker's race. We have Steve Scalise. We have Jim Jordan, two wonderful people, um, two conservatives. Uh, Mr. Trump has come out in favor of Mr. Jordan, although Trump has said to people he, he likes Scalise, but he's favoring Jim Jordan. What do you make of that race so far, Newt? Well, I think that uh, it, it could be surprisingly close. Scalise, as the majority leader, has some advantages. Uh, and I think Jordan is seen as the more conservative and more aggressive. Uh, so it probably depends on, on where the conference's head is at. I mean, they, they have a, you know, there could also be a third or fourth candidate by the time this is over. The, the key question is not who can win in the conference. 
the key question is who can get 218 votes on the floor? Because you don't want to go through 15 rounds the way they did with, with Kevin McCarthy back in January. Uh, and you don't want to have a situation where <clears throat> any one or two or three people can, can move to vacate the chair, side with the Democrats, and cause chaos. And so they have some serious conversation that they've got to go through uh, to decide whether or not they're really a conference. Or are they, in fact, 96% a conference, which is the vote that, that Kevin got, and 4% people who are willing to destroy anything if they're not happy. The Kevin McCarthy story was a tragedy, absolute tragedy, terrible story. Newt, can you get a rule change on this vacate the chair? Only if you have 218 votes. And, and I don't think they have 218 votes to change the rule right now. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, this is a this is a very serious systemic problem. I, I faced the same thing in 1999 uh, when I had about 19 members who refused to vote for me. That's why I retired at that point. Uh, John Boehner faced the same thing. Paul Ryan faced the same thing. Uh, this is almost a virus inside the party. Uh, the relatively small number of people believe they have the right to go and destroy the whole thing uh, unless you keep them totally happy. And their happiness usually requires things that are not possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hmm. Yeah, I just never understood the McCarthy thing. I'm texting McCarthy through the whole period. Uh, gosh, what a, what a silly thing. And by the way, uh, among all the other policies that McCarthy, I mean, McCarthy supported, tough budgets, he supported extending the tax cuts, he supported opening up the oil and gas bigots, he supported border control, uh, he wants to be tough and difficult on the Ukraine. All the other stuff. He was a prolific fundraiser, Newt. I mean, really prolific yeah. fundraiser, which well, is that, not that, nothing. That's gonna, look, that's going to hit them very hard. I, I just did a piece on why they're going to miss McCarthy. Mm. Uh, and part of it is he raised $485 million in the last cycle. Huh. Now, they, they, don't, they don't have anybody who can raise 10% of that amount. Wow. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, they're going to realize, President, he, he also understood the moderates. Remember, the, the party's margin of majority is both the right and the left. I mean, the moderates in New York and in California, uh, people who are sensitive to issues, 19 members who are in districts that Joe Biden carried, uh, you know, you, you can't just have a hard right majority. It's not, it's, it is not possible. And uh, so it'll be interesting to watch and see how they talk to themselves. But my point to everybody who's at call and asking for advice is that Make sure you can get to 218 and make sure that the members who voted the other day make it, voted with the Democrats give you a commitment. If they're going to be in the room and they're going to help pick the speaker, they need to give you a commitment that they will stick with you hmm. and they will not do this a second time. Otherwise, you ain't got nothing. Right. Well put. Newt, let's go to a slightly different topic. Uh, you've been talking and writing about the need for a balanced budget. Get it back on the policy table, follow through. 
The budget chair in the House, Jody Arrington, I assume he will remain budget chair no matter what. He has pushed a balanced budget. What can you tell us about that? Well, look, I, I, and this, again, is an example where, where uh, McCarthy was totally in favor of what Jody Arrington was doing. Jody has done a great job, uh, and he understands exactly the point you've made for 30 years, which is <clears throat> if you're going to balance the budget, you've got to have 3 or 3.5% economic growth. You cannot balance the budget at the current anemic, weak economy. It's not possible. And so he developed a budget which gets to balance in 10 years, uh, and they have reported it out. They passed uh, the budget committee 20 to 14 with all the Republicans voting yes. And, frankly, this, again, is one of those places where you wonder, uh, you know, what, what uh, Ben Dominic called the hateful eight. I mean, what, what were they thinking of? Here's a chance. They said they're fiscal conservatives. Well, here was a chance to bring to the floor a budget that gets us to balance with economic growth, with, with real reforms. Uh, it would be an enormous achievement. And, uh, and as you know, because you were there, I'm, I'm the only speaker in your lifetime to balance the budget four straight years. So I, I know how hard this is, and I know that Jody has put this together. I think they're going to move forward on it, and I hope they're going to pass it. Uh, and it becomes a roadmap. If you, if you look at his balanced budget proposal, it's literally a roadmap for reform for the next three or four years. Uh, it gets you economic growth. It gets you dramatically less regulations. It gets you real reform in spending. Uh, and uh, it's a remarkable achievement. On the subject of uh, growth, in your balanced budgets there at the end of the 90s, you forced Bill Clinton into a capital gains tax cut and welfare reform, two very substantial pro-growth measures. And then, lo and behold, Alan Greenspan going up on the Hill testifying, saying, oh, my God, we have these surpluses. I don't know what I'll do with them. (laughs) Yeah, he he actually said their projections were uh, that we we would pay off the national debt by 2009, something we had not done since 1837, and they had no, they had no models for managing uh, the currency if you had no debt. It's true. Uh, yeah, now, unfortunately, the guys who followed me didn't get it, <clears throat> slid back into business as usual, and now we have a $33 trillion debt, and we're now paying more interest on the debt than we're paying for national defense. Tell me about Jody Arrington. I mean, I've interviewed him once. I thought he was pretty good, but I don't really know him. Tell us about Jody Arrington. He's very smart. He was a college professor, then he was an administrator. He understands politics and he understands policy. He's a very serious guy. And he he understands something which, which nobody in the Biden team understands, and that is that the country literally is at stake and that you, you have to turn around both the size of the federal government and you have to turn around the whole pattern of borrowing and spending. And he is prepared. He's dedicated his career to doing that. He's thought about it a great deal. He's assembled a great team in terms of the staff of the Budget Committee. And he, he listened to everybody. He did, he did it the right way. He listened to everybody, got everybody's concerns. And I, and I do want to point out, Larry, that one, of the, one of the hidden things people don't really appreciate that Steve Moore wrote about last week uh, in his newsletter is that we really dramatically reformed regulations. Mm. And regulations in many ways now are a bigger inhibitor to growth than taxes. Yeah. Uh, and so part of what you have to have is a, is a dramatic deregulation and, and taking power away from left-wing bureaucrats uh, and returning power back to the free market and back to the state and local governments. Will, uh, with Jody Arrington's balanced budget, is he is he going to reform any of the big entitlements? Is that part of the story? He, he, reforms, he reforms everything except 
Medicare and Social Security. And he correctly points out we don't currently have a political consensus that allows you. And what they provide for is something like the Greenspan Commission under Reagan, where you would have a bipartisan group that would report back and would have to have their recommendations taken up without amendment on a yes-no vote. Newt Gingrich, terrific stuff, absolutely. Former Speaker, we love having you come on the show. Newt's latest is March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Thank you, Newt. You're fabulous. Folks, I'm Kudlow. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, Brett Baer, Fox News Chief Political Anchor, host of the Special Report with Brett Baer. He's got a new book out about George Washington and the Constitution, and he'll have some things to say about the Speaker's race. I'm Kudlow. Please stay with us.